Yes, welcome to the Carpe Diem Gamecast. I'm Dan. I'm Steve. I'm Brian. And I'm Mac. Mac, Steve, Dan, you put me right back in it, right with the intro. I feel like we're back on the mic. <laughs> we are back on the mic. Yeah. It's been a while. We, we had a little hiatus there for a little while. Yeah. I was working on um, a little project that isn't actually going to happen right now because I got sick and wasn't able to record any more audio. So uh, look for something later on. It'll be it'll be pretty fun. Audio only porn is really hard to produce. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> when you can't put the thing in the thing. That said, we do have a lot of Carpe Diem news to cover. When we first started this project, we were talking about uh, the Carpe Diem digital network of shows. And that has become a reality. As of the recording of this podcast, iTunes is is vetting out our, our, our RSS feed. And uh, within the next day or so, it should be live. And you should be able to find the Carpe GM Digital Network RSS feed on iTunes. Now, what you get when you subscribe to that is not just our show, but the other shows that are now on our network. Obviously, Metagamers Anonymous. Uh, they've been uh, allies and, and friends over there from day one. Bolstered allies. Absolutely. Sycophants and hangers-on. <laughs> um, the show examines the RPG hobby through the eyes of the immersive role player, and they do a really good job keeping that very niche topic interesting. They approach it from a lot of different angles, always with the eye towards immersion. So uh, if you're interested in immersive role-playing, make sure to check out Metagamers Anonymous. A lot of different angles. Yeah. Half, half, swivel. And then we have, uh, if anybody has been frequenting the website lately, they will have seen that there's a new podcast on the landing page, which is Backwards Compatible. Backwards Compatible is our... Um, that's actually the title. It's not that the podcast is Backwards Compatible. That's right. correct, yeah. yeah. It's, it, the, it's the Backwards Compatible podcast, and it's a bunch of goofballs... Uh, talking about video games, and uh, it's it's really a good show. It's really pretty funny. They're uh, pretty, actually friends of ours, and uh, we helped them along to get going. So uh, they put out a pretty good product. Sounds pretty good, and they know what they're talking about. Uh, other shows on the network you may have heard. Anybody heard of Modifius Games, Octoon Cthulhu? I, 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 why I, yes, I've heard of this thing. <laughs> yes. Um, why? Why yes? Octoon Cthulhu. <laughs> 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 Chris Chris Birch. I, I know I know that company. Chris Birch, uh the the owner of Octoon Cthulhu and Modifius Games, has his own podcast. And he his show is actually on our network. It's called Modifius Calling. He has more money than all of us. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> and uh, he has uh he has a show, he and he and a guy. I own jo- you now. <laughs> He and a guy named Josh O'Connor. You work for me. Yeah. You Sit work down. for me now. <laughs> is, is he the Joker? He is. <laughs> they uh they sit down and they talk uh they talk gaming, they talk Modifius news, obviously. And um he's got quite a few friends in the gaming community, so you hear stuff from like Kenneth Height and Robin Laws, so on and so forth. Robin Thick. <laughs> Beetlejuice. No, none of that. <laughs> <laughs> in any case, uh, the podcast is a good one. It's um, chock full of information, and as far as I know, there aren't a whole lot of podcasts that are, that are out there that are moderated and hosted by a successful game designer. Like <laughs> plenty a, of them moderated a, by a, failed game designers. That's correct. <laughs> a real, honest to goodness game designer. Uh, so Modifius Calling, you can find that one. 
I'm thinking we should, uh, when you put the uh, brakes in, yeah, make uh, make it so we can hear a sample of the music, or if if you don't get it before like you upload it. Because last episode I listened to, I really wished we could have heard the music the in reggae. the breaks. Oh, it was so... <laughs> so we could come back and talk about it. Yeah, it was, I was well, like, what, what we... the f*** is this? You didn't like the reggae? It was like, oh, was oh. I was going to like light up the fattest doobie in the world. Yeah, that was the idea. It's Aaron <laughs> like... Cam and the One Drops, man. That's Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> that, though, that band brings more hippies out to my bars. You're yeah. damn right. Dude, they're badass. Dude, for real. I can smell the podcast. The podcast. <laughs> That's hilarious. There's a niche. Uh, <laughs> and our newest addition to the network. You all remember Wolfish Hunger, right? No. no. <laughs> oh god. His, oh wait. His podcast, probably questionable. Wait a minute. Is on the network. His name. His actual name is Matthew Parodi. He's he's gonna try to peddle something. He's right? on the network on on the on. <laughs> On Carpe Diem. On the iTunes, or he's on Carpe Diem? Because uh, I, I, I was there. To, both, I, ch- yeah. I checked it today, and I didn't see any. No, it'll only be on iTunes. Only but be on iTunes. There'll be posts on the website for each of the podcasts. Oh, okay. I, the That hasn't actually started yet. It will soon. Hmm. Uh, yeah, you'll be able to find you'll be able to find them on Carpe Diem, but they also have their own website, which is probably questionable.org, I believe. Our old friend Wolf- Wolfish Hungs. Yep. Are, we, are we getting like sleeper <laughs> sleeper cells across the nation? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Are we like Fight Club There's now? A lot of Ukrainian sleeper cells, if you remember. <laughs> First thing about Carpe Diem Network. <laughs> That's funny. I was online last night uh, on the back end of the website, and there was one person on the website, and it was from the Ukraine. From <laughs> the Ukraine. Um. So anyway, that's it. Carpe Diem Digital Network. It's it's live. Check it out. Subscribe. Support. We're we're doing this as a cross promotion, trying to help um, pull all these little villages, these little communities of all these podcasts together, and kind of try to create something a little bigger. A uh, villa. So, yeah, sure. So we're trying to uh, do a little cross promotion, maybe some you know, cross content. You know, uh, reach out across the lines. Um, and, and try to create something bigger than our own show. So pretty happy about that. Also, I mentioned Modifius games earlier and in, in fairness and in, in reporting here, I need to tell everyone that I am now the U S community organizer for, uh, Modifius games. I'll be handling a lot of their play testing and community building projects. So big man with your fancy title. <laughs> So if anybody's interested in playtesting for... Uh, See if he remembers the little guys, what got him there. <laughs> I am now the U.S. community organizer. <laughs> does, that come, does that position come with a top hat and monocle? <laughs> I already had the top hat and monocle. What? 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 Good lord. So... <laughs> This is now this is now the the gift for your for your uh, online presence. Absolutely. So yeah, once we uh, once we start reaching out and doing some things with playtesting with Modifius's new games and such, which there's uh, some pretty interesting stuff coming down the line, you'll be able to contact me and I'll be able to hook you up with some playtesting materials. And we'll look we'll be looking for uh, demo teams to go to conventions and so on and so <laughs> forth. Demolitions teams. Dan's got the hookup. That's right. So that's pretty neat. Get to see the uh, gaming industry from the back end, which was pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) I just... Wow. Also, with the advent of the Carpe Diem Digital Network, we've uh, 
been working on the website a little bit and changing the way it lays out, check in there. Make sure to drop us uh, or any of the shows that are on the network uh, a line in the comments. So what we've got on tap today, we've got um, got a couple emails, a couple listener emails, one of whom uh, is an entry into our Game Store Weirdos contest. Uh, also, not only the first, but the only so far. So if <laughs> anybody else wants in on this thing, you can win uh, a $10 uh, gift certificate to RPG or drive through RPG and um, uh, the opportunity to have your own episode of the Carpe Diem Gamecast once again. Uh, so make sure you drop an email cons- giving us uh, the horror story of your game store weirdo or convention weirdo or whatever uh, to dan at carpegm.net and we'll get you entered. Also, we have, uh, Brian, you've got, you created a special little game, right? I am that, worried, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brian came up with a game we're going to play at the end of the show. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a little podcast time traveling because he's going to have to leave here before we're done recording. So we're going to record a little thing with Brian that uh, we're going to drop into the back of the back into the podcast, and then when Brian's gone for the next couple of segments and then reappears, it's not magic. No, <laughs> it's right. editing magic. Let's move into uh, what's on our horizon. Ready to go, and we're back. Um, let's get started with uh, what's on our horizon. As mentioned before, uh, podcast time traveling. We've lost Brian at this point. He shall return later. Steve? We lost him. <laughs> Steve, how about you? I played a new game. What's that? Sentinels, Sentinels of the multiverse. Of the multiverse. Sentinels of the multiverse. Sentinels. Are you Carl Sagan now? <laughs> We all did it. It's like echoey voice thing going on now. Okay. Yeah. I played uh, <laughs> a new card game yeah. called Sentinels of the Multiverse. Right. Uh, it is a, uh, I wouldn't really say it's a deck building game like other no, games. No, it, it's got the, it's got the yeah. pre-built decks. It's but, a yeah. pre-built decks. Team building game. And the thing I, the thing I like about it is, yeah, is that it's a co-op game. Yeah. yeah. All co-op. No matter how many people play it, they're all cooperating against one big boss. It's a uh, two to five. Yeah, you could possibly adapt the rules to play more than five, but yeah. yeah. All right, and um, uh, the big thing about this was uh, the the yeah the, the players have characters have specific mechanic mechanics that you use yeah. and unlock throughout the game. Each deck is different, right? Uh, yeah, each deck represents a, a superhero, right? And yeah. then there's a you play against a supervillain deck that runs like it's a script. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all like a generic comic book uh, theme. Yeah. And the characters are all just sort of generic ripoffs of pre-existing comic book characters. Right. <laughs> and the art is really silly and it's pretty cool and all everything about it is entertaining. I mean, it's uh it's not a real heavy game. It's not a real light game though. Right. You can learn it pretty quickly, but it's to, to play through all the decks and to get the combos down that the decks have 
and the uh, mechanics of each character could take you a pretty long time, like and, 20 and, or 30 plays. And the bosses and the environments that you can play in, because you, when you create a scenario, there's, you know, wh- whatever, like, team of superheroes you decide to play, whatever supervillain you decide to play against, and whatever environment you decide to play in. That's a, environments are also a separate deck that just kind of randomly changes stuff, positive or negative. And but, these are uh, expanding through expansions. Yeah, they're, they're issuing new decks all the time. Yeah. But the, the villains, I was going to say, they have difficulty levels and they have advanced modes. So it's, uh, modular for difficulty. You can, nice. you can make it easier for when you're, uh, first starting out and you can make it harder when you add more players or are getting more expert. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure Brian's working on getting a full set of this game right now, and so we'll probably wind up doing a a game review of it. People who published it, or it's a self-published game. Yeah, it's a, well, it's, it's a, a Kickstarter it's local game. Too, it's right? greater yeah, than and it's local. Yeah, it's greater than games in St. Louis. Yeah. yeah. Are you trying to get them on the show? Uh, yeah, actually, we've yeah. Uh, we've had a couple of discussions, and oh, we're good. we're uh, talking about uh, maybe doing something together. So, so be looking forward to that. Mac, how about you? Uh I've I've had a few things going on. Um, stuff I've talked about before. I've been playing a lot of Sentinels like that. Uh, what's the other new? Oh, uh, the 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 Lord of the Rings deck building game expansion came out. That oh. that's a lot of fun. Okay. Let's see what else. Um, oh, uh, Saints Row Four. Saints Row Four came out. Been playing a lot of that. So, uh, a whole hell of a lot of fun. If you've ever liked any of the GTA games, I highly recommend the Saints Row games. They're GTA, but just funny and way over the top. Um, Saints Row. Two is where I got my start. One and two are supposedly skippable. If I was going to jump into the series, I'd definitely start with three. I play it on the uh, uh, PC. I get my games through Steam that way. And four, in the, in the Saints Row games, you play the boss. Right. A uh, highly customizable character uh, from, from voice and accent, sex, appearance, costume. Incredibly customizable. Uh, it's got a co-op campaign mode, which I've never tried before, but I'm probably going to try playing through with one of my friends. Um uh, you play the head of a street gang that has gradually grown in scope. And by the, by the beginning of Saints Row 4, you've become president of the United States. Wow. But the world immediately, like you, you become president in the first mission, but then the world gets invaded by aliens who put you in a program designed to, a simulation designed to break you. But you basically just turn it into the matrix and gain superpowers you. and are just going crazy. Right. It's awesome. So did you, did you hear about the million dollar copy? That's it. What? So, like, some games have special editions that are more expensive. They'll be like a hundred dollars sometimes. Saints Row Four did one that was they made one copy of it, and it's a million dollar special edition of the game. And apparently, it comes with like a Lamborghini, like a real live Lamborghini, <laughs> and some some other ridiculous stuff, like uh, totally outrageous stuff. That uh, I want to say it comes with. Working on it right now. We can, awesome. we can, I, we I can, not heard yeah. this at all. Yeah, I, I saw this on uh, Reddit, and the only thing, I, but the only thing I remember coming with is a real Lamborghini, like a Lamborghini Murcielago or something. And there's there's just one of them, or maybe two. But Saints Row Commander in Chief Edition. It's a Virgin Galactic space flight, full size replica dubstep gun, <laughs> hostage rescue experience. I don't know what that is, but I don't continue. Really know what that is either. It's probably like a real life simulation thing, like those uh, there are places tactical you can, camps. That yeah, you can go to there are places you can go where they ha- they you can set up like a window of time that you'll be kidnapped, <laughs> and it's like you're supposed. Do you ever to... see the game? Yeah, love that. Basically, movie. like that. Plastic surgery. 
<laughs> Spy Training Day, A Personal Shopper, Capsule Wardrobe, Seven Nights of the Top Royal Suite at the Burj Al Arab Dubai, A Week for Two at the Jefferson Hotel in Washington, D.C. Yeah, Lamborghini Gallardo, that's what it comes First Class Flights to Washington, D.C. and Dubai, Lamborghini Gallardo, New Toyota Prius, and one year of insurance. Four years of supercar membership. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's called the Super Dangerous Wad Wad Edition, a.k.a. the Million Dollar Pack. Wad Wad Edition. That Wad Wad. It you, is there. You read that correctly. <laughs> so, so there yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's ludicrous. Million bucks. That's what it'll get you, apparently. I just, I don't know. I just sell it for half. <laughs> when you're done with it, you beat it. Oh, I, I, oh, I guess they can play the game also. <laughs> oh yeah, and you get to play the game. <laughs> I love that it oh. gives you plastic surgery oh. and stuff. It's like because the <laughs> game so uh, has such a reputation for customizability. That's hilarious. Yeah. All right. Generic plastic surgery. Well, Mac, was that it for you? Yeah. Actually, I did have one other thing. There's something I've been toying with, and maybe we should talk about it more in a different time. But I sure. What you got? Uh, it's a. Uh, I've been collecting these like mundane, uh, superstitious holdovers in a mundane world. Yeah, weird stuff. Like there's some antifreeze commercial that has like a tow truck that's painted all black and has a really archaic hook on the back, and it's called the Reaper, like okay. on, on the side door. And I'm like, oh yeah, if your if your car if cars had souls, that would be the Grim Reaper of cars. Right. Stuff like, um, why uh, police officers' badges are shields. Okay. And how it's meant to be, you know, a symbol and why they're cast and stuff like that, all that. And then, uh, uh, oh, what I was watching, a, I've been watching a lot of Law and Order SVU, which is kind of f***ing with me. And there's an episode of, of Law and Order SVU where somebody's giving the medical examiner a hard time. And she's like, I speak for the dead. And like goes on on this whole okay. other rampage. And I'm, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, they are kind of like speakers for the dead, which turned into like a four hour Ender's Game wiki, wiki coma. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because the second book in that series, but but anyway, I've been trying to like develop this story hook idea for. I was talking, I was talking to somebody about format, and they were like, "Maybe it's Hunter," and I'm like, "Yeah, it, it is kind of this. I want to, I want to say something where these spiritual holdovers, these things that we don't know why we believe in them, but we right. just still believe in them, actually mean something." And somebody was like, "Maybe it's a Hunter campaign." And I'm like, "Maybe it's in order to force the role play experience. You you." St- you started as a hunter campaign in order to get people to act mundane, but it turns out to be a mage campaign. <laughs> All right. But anyway, um, so, something I've been flirting with. Interesting. I've also had uh, spent a lot of time thinking about stuff like that. Superstitions, where they come from. Uh, yeah. And, and then flirting, flirting with the idea that they actually have purpose and that we yeah. just don't know it. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty neat concept, and we can definitely tear into that one as far as in game design or games that use superstitions and whatnot. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, and I I, I know I should be able to. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get an angry email or five about, <laughs> hey, idiot, how about this and that? You know, but I was told to look at the Dresden Files RPG for this. I, I, that, I mean, I can see that because it's the, the modern day, I mean, they actually kind of cover those bases in Dresden Files a little bit, you know. I think, touch yeah. on Touch on it a little bit. So... <sighs> I don't know. Let's let's table this one. Yeah, yeah and we'll uh, we'll see if we can uh, dig a little deeper into it. And, and if anybody out there's it. got an example of a holdover tradition like that, that people don't know where it comes from, but we do still use it all the time. It's it's been coming up for me a lot in uh, uh, political stuff. 
stuff like where the phrase pork barrel uh, right. comes from and all this sort of stuff. The, these these had literal meanings back in the day, and we still use the terms, but we don't know where they come from. And right. I, I'm being very entertained by these uh, holdovers. Cool. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, what's been on my horizon, I've been... Uh, I was sick for a while, and that was what kind of put the kibosh on, on the project that I was working on. <laughs> but... Um, I was sick for a while, got over that, and all of a sudden, this Carpe GM Digital Network thing started happening really quickly. Uh, so I've been working on the website, trying to get it set up to be a network landing page and doing a lot of outreach and whatnot. It seems like that's always my horizon. But once again, that's where we are, slave to the machine. So if anybody doesn't have anything else, we'll move on to the next... Uh, Who's the machine? Well, the, the Carpe GM machine, Am man. The machine? It's moving on without us. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll just move on. Uh, got a couple of emails here. Let's take a quick break and come right back. And we're back. Okay, we got uh, we got a couple emails here. Hi, guys. First off, let me say thank you so much for producing such a fine show that not only helps myself, but the entire community. <laughs> not after tonight's episode. Yeah, there's <laughs> not going <laughs> to be help for what we got in store coming. Um, unfortunately, the reason I'm writing to you guys is because of a problem I'm having with one of my players, and I need help on what to do. $2,000. Well, that's what we talk about constantly. That's our fee. Yep. <laughs> oh, oh! you don't want us to kill him? Okay. <laughs> if you're good at something, never do it for free. <laughs> exactly. I've been tabletop gaming with my friends for nearly 10 years now, and for the most part, things have always been harmonious within our circle. As the years have come and gone, I've been the GM, and the collaborative storytelling aspect is by far my favorite part of gaming. Min-maxing and power gaming are things I try to snuff out at every possible avenue. A fair game for everyone involved... <laughs> And a compelling story and world are what I strive for. Still working on it, though. The problem I mentioned earlier involves a friend. We'll call him Steve. That's going to get confusing. Ah. How about we're going to call him Ralph? Ralph Wiggum. All right. So we're going to call uh, uh, your friend Ralph. Because we already no, have Steve. No, Ralph Wiggum. Ralph Wiggum? The whole th- yes, the whole thing. Right, yes, Ra- every Ralph time. Wiggum. A year ago, I proposed the idea of running more gritty and low-powered low Pathfinder game than we're used to. As a part of the character creation parameters, I set the rules for rolling up stats using Pathfinder's 10-point buy system. Ralph Wiggum did not want any part of it. (laughs) (laughs) He proceeded to research forums online and came to the conclusion that a 10-point buy hinders the ability of a character to effectively roleplay and function in-game, thus playing in a game that is not fair to the players. Granted, he has even come forth and admitted he's not the strongest role player. But this goes back to something I've heard on multiple podcasts, including yours, that trust is a big part of gaming. His actions showed me that he doesn't have that trust in me as the GM. On top of that, he's also convinced his girlfriend and another person in our group, both of whom are still new to the game and system, about how bad it would be for their characters. Ultimately, he convinced them, and he and I got into a heated argument about the game before we even had a chance to get together and play the first session. Um, that's 
kind of shitty. Yeah. <laughs> In the end, I caved and told everyone to buy their stats using 15-point buy instead. Okay. Recently, he and I had gotten into another big argument. Hey, let, let's, t- let's tackle that one first. Uh, it looks like this is moving on to something else as well. If, if you don't trust your GM, what do you do as a player? Be personally, I'm not going to rail. I'm not. I'm not sure. I have a whole lot of. Yeah, it seems like he's being very obstinate, but I don't have a whole lot of advice for the player. Yeah. From the GM side of things, there's two things. There's first of all, you have to give them what they want. Kind of. I mean, you, yeah, it's their game too. You're allowed to, you know, steer a lot because you you contribute a lot a lot more selflessly. But I do think though that if you really like the way to go about it was not to engage in the argument. The, the way to go about it is to say, you know what, give it a try. I think this will work. And if it's not working, we'll try something else. Because if you if they were all gung-ho and it didn't actually work, you as the GM would still cut it off. Right. No harm, no foul there. Right. He should have given you an opportunity to try it. He should not be... I mean, this is all like... This is like military crap. This is like he's voicing his opposition out in front of everybody where he shouldn't be doing it, you know? There's a, there's a, there's a format for this kind of stuff, and uh, murder them all. Uh, just, just kill, them. just kill them. Just okay. So you sit him down. You say, "Hey, Ralph. Ralph you, what do you, hey, Ralph Wiggum? All right, listen here. Uh, this is the game. I'm designing it around the specific mechanic, the specific ten point mechanic, where you don't have to be an uber effective role player or, or uh, character because it's a gritty game. I would say that the object of playing a gritty game is to not be super effective. The idea is that there's danger." And it's hard to do things. You know, when guns come out in a gritty street-level game, uh, heads are going to roll. It's it's the end of something. Uh, so when people are drawing blades in a gritty Pathfinder game with a 10-point buy, people should be scared. I think the problem is that, that Ralph Wiggum here is uh, trying to fit his concept of previous games into the concept of this new game and didn't give it a chance because he didn't see how that was going to yeah, work. Yeah, like... A, t- a ten point buy like that, and for instance, one of the hardest campaigns I was ever in was where we started at level one and doubled the experience required to level every time. Wow! Yeah, you were level one for a long time. And how that how that work for you? It what? was rough. You know what you had to do? Walk away from some situations. You had to yeah. lose some. Yeah, and you had to find other ways to do stuff. And it's and it's hard. It's really hard to go from power gaming min maxing to or even heavy role play yeah. where right. you have a lot of ability and your characters have high stats that back up your ability to role play. It's really hard to walk away from all that and play John Q public. Like yeah. I think if if a uh, player's having trouble like Ralph Wiggum is, uh <laughs> they might need to take a look at how they they put their character in the game, like how they um decide to utilize the the sort of the tools empirical stuff okay. that makes up their character on the character sheet right and instead of just having this idea of okay um like you can't have preconceptions before you utilize the empirical stuff i guess is what right. i'm trying to say so you can't like have this idea in your head and just always go off that sometimes what you have to go off you what you need to go off of is the look at your character sheet and utilize things and that you, you see that can do and not what you plan to make that into something else. Right. So like you're in a situation where you're stuck and you really don't know what to say or how to role play or where to go. Just take a look at like 
the numbers on the piece of paper in front of you and be like, okay, look, I have this here. Uh, okay. Therefore, I feel it would be necessary. It would, it would be appropriate if I had my character do this or that you can make, all, you can make all these, uh, as this is how you get this done as arguments to your player. He, if he doesn't have any frame of reference for what you're talking about, he's still not going to have any buy-in. Right. He's supposed yeah. to give you the chance to prove yourself. He didn't do that. I, I highly recommend taking this campaign and playing it with somebody else. Well, if you can, I would say, let, let's just move on. We'll go on to the, we'll finish his uh, emails. So not much left there. It, it sounds to me like there's a, a preconception going on and somebody's having a trouble with the, the like community storytelling element of, I I do have I do have a couple ideas concerning system. Yeah. But uh we'll, we'll touch on that after we're done. Recently he and I had gotten into another big argument about a fan conversion another friend and I were working on and the old topic of the dreaded 10-point buy came back up. It was only 2 weeks ago during the fight where he came forward and told me about the time he had done all this research and persuasion to his girlfriend and the other group member for that previous game. After the revelation my feelings were extremely hurt. Now I'm prepping a pirate-themed game for everybody, and I just have this nagging feeling that at any moment where he might set some, say something to set me off the edge, I fear I'll just start arguing with him and derail the whole session, and possibly the entire game. Ultimately, I feel that every decision I make about a game, even before it starts, must be agreed upon unanimously or else I'll get the shaft. Whether it's crunch or fluff, I feel like I don't get any trust in my decision-making. It's very demoralizing when you have to worry about walking on eggshells for your friends while maintaining the integrity of your game. Hmm. I don't know if I should confront him, talk to the group about it, or just keep these thoughts to myself. If you could give me some advice on this problem, I would be extremely grateful. And once more, thank you guys for what you do for the community. The Grumpy GM. This is really interesting to me because I totally agree with all the reasons. I agree that he is demoralized. I agree with all the reasons why he's demoralized. And I have no idea what you do when you are the angry and um, the grumpy GM. The grumpy GM. Yeah. And, and, and I am, uh, I am a very sympathetic person to situations like this because I am like Captain Angry. Right. And, and I, what did I tell somebody one time? Chaotic or what was it? Lawful one, evil. Lo, yeah, lawful evil. Right. One of my one of my friends was having uh, 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 trouble with his. He's he's an assistant manager at a Walmart, and he was like, and it was social problems. Um, and he was like, I, I'm pretty sure everybody's talking about it. I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm going to go in there. And and I'm like, burn the place down. Fuck them all. <laughs> <laughs> like like Ralph found dead. In the game room. Right. Like, I'm joking when I say murder them all and all that stuff. And, and I was joking when I said burn the place down. But it's like, you guys know me. I'm, I, I don't right. take this stuff very well. I would, I would be tempted to completely walk away from this playgroup. So my sympathy for him and the whole burn all the bridges and walk away thing, that, that's okay. When, when, when you were reading this, I was like, why don't you sit out as DM for a little while, cool your heels, play for a while, let somebody else DM. But I know that what they're going to see that as because nobody else is going to jump up and want to DM. Right. They're all going to get defensive about now that, now that one of them has to do it because you're not willing to. And, and it's going to be the take, you took your ball and went home. It's going to be that, you know? Right. So what do you guys say he should do? Myself, I'm going to look at the type of game that I'm trying to play and, if the problem is that I have players who are uh, cutting me off at the knees using the system that I'm trying to use, I'm going to use a different system. 
So, for instance, for the gritty game, I might play something in, say, Hunter. Or, I know we, we, we shoot it off a lot, Savage Worlds. It's a super hmm. cheap buy-in. You can get the the deluxe um, Explorer's Edition now for $10. It's everything you need to play the game. Hmm. And you can take that $10 and you can create a new system out of it. Now, my question here is, uh, or a question here is, does he have a reason to not trust you as a GM? Yeah, what's that? Have you had a problem with games before? <laughs> that's the part um, that confused me. I, I just bit. don't understand. I guess I just can't get inside the headspace. You're, you're 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 talking to the wrong guy. I, I'm just saying I can't. Ralph Wiggum didn't write us an email. R- right. I'm just saying I can't really get in the headspace of just railing against my GM before I've ever thrown the dice once. I just can't get in there. That said, I think that's um, that's, that's bizarre. Yeah. It is pretty crazy yeah. to me. Um, I think you. You're doing a pirate campaign. I'm wondering what system you're using. Are you Pathfinder exclusive? Because it sounds like you've got a couple of people that are new to the hobby. Um, the only problem is if you're already having issues with a player not trusting you as a GM, walking in the door with a new system that maybe you're not 100% on yet might also not be the answer. It could be an issue. I think maybe you make an appeal and say... You know, give this a shot. You know, like yeah, they should have done. Just give it a fine. Give me three just sessions. Ask them for it. Hey, give, give it a shot and and wait for them to say this isn't working and and shut it down. And then you have to be willing at that point to walk away from from it yeah. at least once. Then you go try something else. And if they shoot that one down too, maybe you throw your hands up. Maybe that's when it's finally okay to go. All right, listen, somebody else try something. Hey, I'm burnt out. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm not ob- obviously all the this nails is are not bending. working out. Maybe we should try. You know. Something different. All the nails <laughs> are bending. I, I can't. I can't uh, seem to get this. I don't know if fit. it. If it sounds like he's. It's a situation where the DM is is worried about their experience as players, or if it's just a, one of these stories of like somebody's being difficult, and you just don't. You don't know what to say because it's like, yeah, there. There. It's. I mean, it's an open world game. Like right. you can, it, it, the whole point of it is world building, and I, I say you know community storytelling because even as a DM, I don't do the, I don't do all the work. Right. You know, I just guide the game. So there, there are times when people can be become difficult, and you don't really know what to say because there are rules, but there aren't. Like right. it, it's. <laughs> I would say, yeah, you you kind of have to come up with your own. Rule for dealing with this. Yeah. Now let's. I'm just going to put myself in in the in the grumpy GM's position here. If this were the situation that I was in, and I had somebody that completely derailed me and uh, rabble roused my entire group to the point where they didn't want to play a game that I was working toward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think my appeal would be, uh, I, I, I give me three sessions. Right. Uh, just try it out. Give me three. Give yeah. me three or four sessions because after after two or three sessions. I usually go back over with my players and we assess the characters if it's a new system. We'll reassess the characters, see if anything needs to be tweaked. Are they heading in a direction they want to go? You know, does this power work the way you thought it was going to? So on and so forth. So give me three sessions. We'll see where we're at. If we can get an intriguing enough storyline, the mechanics are supposed to slip into the background anyway. Uh, a game like Pathfinder, though, is pretty crunchy. It's, yeah. a, it's a pretty crunchy game. And if you're trying to play Pathfinder... You know, maybe that's going to shoot you in the foot. I know there's rules for the 10 point buy, but when I think Pathfinder Dungeons and Dragons, I'm thinking of the, you know, the Holy Knight kicking down the door and fighting the dragon. 
you know, I, I don't really think of the, the street waif who's trying to steal bread to survive. You don't, hang on, you don't know this guy's story. I don't, I don't know this guy's story, but I'm just saying, you know, I, I, I don't know. I wonder what, uh, wonder what system he's using for the pirate game. And I would also say, figure out what you're going to do for uh, a protocol. Hey guys, maybe after session suggestions. Yeah. Something like that. If you can give them a little ownership, maybe they'll yeah. feel less. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Maybe, um, you know, just a, a status, you know, state of the game this session, is, 10, 10 minutes after the, after the game's yeah. over. But this is a situation where it's like. It's got to kind of be political yeah. about it, you know. I'd have to hear, like, I'd have to hear, like, what arguments both of them are making because it's. It sounds strange Honestly, to me, like how if I got a guy who's spending the time to work on a game. I, I, I almost don't need to hear the other guy's argument. You're either you, gonna play it or not. Yeah, you, and you can't give advice to somebody by trying to make a judgment about who's right and who's wrong. When right. one person has exactly. to give advice, yeah. you have to give them the advice. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, my advice would be to come up with some sort of protocol so that everybody's opinion is being heard and uh, taken into account. Now, I worry that this guy's just the the that. Uh, what the hell's his name? Uh, Ralph Wiggum. I worry that <laughs> Ralph Wiggum is... Uh, Ribble Wiggum? <laughs> I, I worry that he's uh, a big spoon that just likes to stir shit up all the time. Um, <laughs> Snap. You're my big spoon. <laughs> I worry that regardless of what's going to happen, what game we're playing, whatever, especially if we That's have just established weird. this this uh, precedent... Um, it sounds like he could be a repeat offender, and if so, then maybe <laughs> yeah. you need to sit down with the entire group and talk about it. He's doing research to try and like figure out why the ten point buy-in is. I know a guy. Up. I know a guy. Really, that like used to be like this, that? and he was incorrigible. <laughs> there was nothing you could do about this guy. You either had to decide to play with that guy because he also was insanely funny, or you didn't invite him to the game group. Now, that said, if you didn't like the way this guy was going to act before you ever sat down at the table or before you were ever around him, it was magnified when it came around. It's the Ruxin. It's the... It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Hmm? Do you watch the league? A little bit. Yeah. It's the Ruxin. He's he's funny, but he's a dick. Yeah, like, pretty much it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, my advice is uh, stay the course, play your pirate game, do not come to the table ready to fly off a handle. Be serene, be calm, be uh, ready to handle, ready to be a GM and not a politician, not a, uh, a debate team member. Yeah. Bang his girlfriend. Yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, I, I really hope we help Grumpy GM. Um, if you have anything else, make sure you send us send us another email. I really want to know how this ends up and, and what happens. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by well, this. Well, I banged his girlfriend and that went okay. <laughs> Uh, the other all. Then I burned down his house. They sent me the. Uh, he's gonna send me the headlines of. Killed them all. <laughs> they're all dead. I did it. I burned it down and killed them all. Just Thank like Max said. So much. Listen, man. you can consider this notice to appear. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Grumpy GM, thanks for writing in. You are awesome. I appreciate it. So does uh, we appreciate it. Eh. Um, <laughs> Getting. Make sure you let us know what's going on with the uh, how it finishes up. Yeah. Alright, I got Grumpy, one more. Grumpy GM or not Dan at gmail.com. <laughs> okay. One more. Uh greetings, nerds. 
<laughs> Nerds. <laughs> First off, let me say that I am definitely not Dan. <laughs> <laughs> That's what any good Dan would say. That's funny. <laughs> you got... <laughs> You guys put on an awesome cast, and as a new GM, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate everything that I've been learning. My only issue is that you guys are inspiring me too much. Oh, no. wow! <laughs> I inspire myself too much sometimes. <laughs> you get sores. Yeah. Not only am I running two Pathfinder games, I'm already planning a modern alien survival sci-fi game. Episode fourteen. Right. Hey, slow down, brother. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I inspire myself. Yeah. Like four times a day, but <laughs> this is a lot too much stuff. You got to take it this easy. Is, yeah, I don't normally inspire myself like <laughs> in multiple genres. <laughs> yeah. Two Pathfinders and a sci-fi. Wait, wait. And like a, a Pathfinder sandwich. Critters game. Critters. Us- using only races such as Catfolk, Ratfolk, Gripplies, etc. for PCs. Ah. <laughs> and to have the majority of the standard races missing from the world. Episode 16. Did any of you guys ever see the movie Critters? Oh yeah, yeah, that was or, horrible. Or yeah. Oh man, don't 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 talk smack. Don't bag on that. That was horrible. <laughs> Those things are just mouths with feet. Yeah, <laughs> was it Leonardo DiCaprio in like the second one or something? Uh, I can't remember which one. Yeah. But, yeah. They were like uh, the Langoliers' uh, inbred hillbilly cousins. <laughs> that's that's not even the same thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's what they look like. Um, your most informative episode for me was episode twenty-two. The rookie GM speaks. It was packed with great questions and great answers. What are your thoughts on loot generation? In Pathfinder, I find that at least at lower levels, because that's all I know, the amount of type and loot that the PCs logically come across is far below the wealth by level guidelines. I don't feel like I'm being stingy and I want my players to have fun, but I also don't want them to always find their gear perfectly suited to their needs. I've tried both random generation and custom creation. Both are time-consuming and unideal. Any ideas? Uh, first things first, wealth by level is indicative of a lot of things, not just loot. Yeah, Characters are expected to have jobs. They're expected to get paid for doing things. Uh, some characters are... Riches mean nothing to some characters. Some, some yeah, characters absolutely. come into the game yeah. with money. Yeah. Or, 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 or even when they don't have money on them, they come into money. Like... You're looking at wealth by level. Um, he's saying Pathfinder, so he's not playing 4th edition. Which 4th edition is the the one yeah. game where your yeah. wealth was built in. Yeah. If you were this level and you didn't have the level, the, the plus 3 sword, you were actually at a deficit and a disadvantage. Yeah, you were supposed to have it. Pathfinder's a little bit more subjective. Everything slides because it's it's closer to 3-5 D&D or, and pretty much any, any edition of Dungeons & Dragons. And what I found is to give enough loot for the story yeah i like making my loot thematic i've done it both ways though honestly you say perfectly suited and i agree with not necessarily doing that throw a bunch of crap at them let them pick out what they want every once in a while every once in a while i have them go after something in particular right um throw a bunch of crap at them let them pick out what they want and the rest to turn into wealth rather easily i've i've handled this a couple different ways I've been the guy who did uh, random encounters. I actually took the second edition monster manual and broke it down by creature and time of activity and rarity and created these monstrous, (laughs) monstrous encounter charts that were broke down by terrain and time of day 
and all this other stuff. <laughs> and it was it was a huge experiment. I've seen to, those. Yeah. yeah, that's the long stroke. Just to see if there was a uh, a randomly generated game there, and it worked for a while. You know, and the way that the way that happened was, I would have the random encounters or whatever was going on, and we'd randomly generate the the loot, and, and that became part of the game was randomly <laughs> generating the loot. We whoever killed the last blow would roll the first dice. You know, okay, we got this many gold pieces, so on oh, and so forth. And so that became a part of the game where uh, my players would then, oh, we've got three magical items, and we would roll for the three. But magical you made items a much more interesting and thematic loot table, where yes. like certain sorts of creatures had certain sorts of things because this was the sort of stuff that they would carry, that sort of thing. Well, that was that was right out of the books. But what I did have was we were playing second edition at the time. And uh, I was using a thing called the uh, Encyclopedia Magica, mm-hmm. which is a four-volume encyclopedia full of just magical items in the realms. And it was really cool. Well, so, you I mean, played the dumbest system. Hey, you know, <laughs> it worked. It worked. And uh, so, I mean, that became kind of part of the game, kind of the after game. We would spend the last half an hour generating loot and whatnot and, and laughing and joking and yucking and whatever. Uh, and that was when I was younger. Now, as I got older, I would kind of plot out the loot. I would make sure, you know, as I started crafting encounters, I would plot out the loot and set it off to the side and make sure I know what every monster had on them and everything. And uh, every once in a while, you come to a point where you want to give a player something good. You know, you want to give the ranger the plus three bow. You know what? Throw it in. You don't necessarily have to have that come up in random generation. You don't have to give them everything that they could possibly need right now. uh, Because when the... When the fighter is 200 gold pieces short of getting that plate mail he wants, it's going to inspire one of two things. He's either going to go out and try to make some more money, or it's going to be a great role-playing opportunity at the blacksmith. Uh, yeah. Or um, to get the ancient plate mail of Zumacadra. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Zumacalus. Get the ancient plate mail. Um. I I think the real question is how interested are your players in the actual money? Right. They just want cool stuff, right? The new book changes this. Oh, yeah? What's the new book say? The uh, Ultimate Campaign has a capital system. Okay. Where you get points to spend, and there's a a party character sheet that is your your investments. It's your investments. Your your capital. And you keep track of the points, and to add on to your buildings or your business or whatever that generates capital, you spend capital. So it's a it's a cycle, a, a cyclical system. Now, before you go any further, he's talking about uh, relatively new GM has only played in the lower levels. Yeah. Is this only a higher level thing? Not necessarily, okay. because it, it's pretty it, easy. It grows considerably in scope at higher levels. Yeah, but the, here's the thing. Or so, over time, over game time. Let's say you, your party goes out and rescues a group of farmers who've been kidnapped by kobolds. Check. Got it. They're really poor. They don't have much to give you. They decide to say, hey, you know, you guys saved us. Maybe we can build, help you build in your next project. And or, the way that, or you get a piece part of, of our farms. crops next. Yeah. next it, it really should be called ultimate usury. <laughs> the way, yeah, the way that translates into you know empirical stuff for the DM and for the players is, you say okay, you and you gain three influence or three labor 
And let's say that shed you want to build to add on to your house that you already have costs three labor. And the next day, the farmers all show up and you spend that three labor. So what if they're only wanting... characters are not allowed to hold debts against their neighbors. So what if they're only wanting a plus three sword? Well... How's it work there? Uh... I see. Here's the thing. I it, love it, it's. It's a barter system of capital. You have to find a blacksmith who's interested in that piece of that farm and yeah. see if it's worth a I, I love, plus three sword to him. And, I love randomly generating loot. Right. Right. Like at table at, at table side. No, I'll usually or do it out of, do it out of the books and just write down some cool stuff. And if, if something's like way over the top, I won't I won't write it down or any, or use it. But I'll uh I'll have. Stuff set up uh, depending on the encounter. If there's a, an appropriate encounter set up, where when they beat it, they it, it would be appropriate for them to find a loot of some sort. Right. I have it already ready to go, so I don't have to you know deal with any of that stuff at the table. I just go, oh, here's my stuff writ- written down already. Here's what you guys get. Now, if I think, if somebody makes it like expressly clear to me at the table that they are after something or want a specific item, then I'll be kind of serendipitous about it. And, but like every time, or do you hold on? Do you sit on it for a while? What do you do? If if somebody uh, wants the, you know, Hawkmore's, uh, it depends on what they want to do. If somebody wants to, uh, work for it, then I'll work around that and have them, you know, just get it however they want. Or I, how usually how I per, you know, give players serendipitous items is I'll have somebody, <laughs> somebody come up to him and be like, "Hey, I found this." So like in my in the campaign I'm running right now, I'm using a lot of stuff from the new book, right? Okay. And they one of the players is a fence for stolen goods. Okay. And uh, he's they got to know. They is it worked? <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they've set up they've set up a friendship with like various. Like people and merchants in the city, so they got connections, right? And one of the guys is like, "Hey, he's a uh, he's basically a a magical veterinarian." And he's <laughs> like, "I pulled these I pulled these darts out of a monster the other day, and I don't want to get caught with these. So could you sell them for me? Maybe I can, you know, hook you up with some stuff that I sell here. I, right. I pulled these vorpal darts out of the neck bones of a hydra. <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly. So it's." Uh, I can I can work in really crazy stuff like that, you know. Sometimes, but for I, I the f- think that's the I think that's the charm of randomly yeah. generating <laughs> stuff is that oh yeah uh, maybe we can throw this sort of underwear stealing in here just yeah. to see what happens when that's not clearly something that I wouldn't have put in on my own. Right. Um, <laughs> so that's that's when it's cool. But other than that, for the most part, I just randomly generate stuff, keep it within reason, and have it all uh, ready to go after encounters. And do say, you use here. the wealth guidelines? No, I no. So, do you wind up with uh, players that you wind up with the Monty Hall campaign where they never want for anything? Sometimes, or does it specifically? It's oh man, I really could use a plus four halberd. Here you go. I found this at the. Well, you know, though, if you look at, I seem to remember that in three point five, if you did the wealth per level guidelines versus the the stat calculations for how much loot certain loot items were actually worth versus the required or like the recommended loot for certain encounters right versus one more time the number of encounters and the, and their xp value versus when you would level it didn't add up yeah okay. you you'd get i think it was more loot you'd end up with more in loot value per, 
gained per level before you leveled over the number of encounters you did in order to level. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's so... And it never added up right. Or it was... there. I think the average added up correctly, but there was big variance. Yeah. Depending on what you randomly rolled. Okay. Um, so I wouldn't worry too much about sticking to those metrics. It's, it, it, I think it matters way more if you're able to tell your story or not. Yeah. If your players are able to remain competitive and have the things that they think that they should have. Make sure you're putting out uh, loot at the rate of plot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, all things in this game are a plot device. So. Yeah. Everything is. It's completely arbitrary. If the players are in the middle of a humongous three-level dungeon... They really aren't going to care how much loot that goblin had on him right now. Uh, and, they got uh, better things to do. Yeah. If they're out in the middle of the jungle, you know, the ruby may come in handy later, but it's not going to do them any good right now. And if you want a little bit of realism in the scenario, not every not every monster in every scenario should be lootable. Lootable? I don't just mean that not everybody should have something on them, though that is true. There should also be if you're in the middle of a of a battle. There's going to be 30 guys that you can't loot. You're going to loot maybe Here's the it. king at the end, but the, like everybody on the way, you're in the middle of battle. You oh, have yeah, to keep yeah. going. Like, uh, so, but, well, I wonder what some DM, uh, DMs do to the player who is constantly like, I go over to this guy. What's he have? I go over to this. They just got through like a, killing an army. I go oh, over yeah. this guy. What's he have? I go over to this guy. What's he have? You know what's dumb? I want to loot every single guy. <laughs> no, I'm not done yet. I'm, have, you ever, have you ever played an Elder Scrolls game? Yeah. Have you ever walked into a room that has no one in it and there's no story reason to be in there, but you open every single drawer, yep, every yep, single basket, yep, every yep. single basket? It's, it's that. I hate that. I hate that. I pick That's up every stupid. single coin individually. <laughs> yeah. They should really not do that. Coins? Yeah. My, uh, there should be an assumption of general right. value. Right. Like, you you should be able to go, I searched the room. Like, right. Well, they introduced, even if you want to do yeah. that, no person would would reasonably dump out every single thing and open up every single thing. That's totally unreasonable. If you were a homeless hobo, possibly, you know. Normally, you know, uh, if somebody was started to do that, I'd just be like, "There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing." <laughs> well, and my randomly generated. Loot, they won't stop though, and yeah. then they'll start giving you crap for not right. ever finding anything. I think. I think we. That's why I think we hit it on the head earlier yeah. with. Uh, Take, if you know that your fighter is just about to get uh, a new weapon s- slot where you can take another weapon proficient, where you can be proficient with another weapon or something, maybe now's the time to drop the halberd on to the guy who's been using the two-handed sword all this time. I'm actually really entertained by your idea of having some player involvement in the creation of loot. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that, I, I think that's really interesting. Creating a random and limited element to it, but then having them be, be, allowing them to work inside of that. And I wonder how you do like. It, do I get my piece of loot and he gets to roll on his piece of loot and all no, that? No, 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 no. They no, would I, all just be. I know what your system was. Yeah. I'm just saying, if if I was going to use this, I'm also interested in working this, um, both mechanically and physically into the game. Like, is there something that's that? For instance, if you're not playing in like a D and D type setting, imagine you're playing in some digital setting, and when they accomplish the, certain goals, they get data, and they're allowed to. Sculpt yeah, I was going to say the thing, minute you uh, step out of D and D and Pathfinder and the it, high fantasy, that becomes stuff, way more possible. It, or the, loot has less meaning. The loot has much less. Yeah, meaning. yeah, okay. You stop finding. I mean, you're playing a, a mage. The you're playing mage the awakening right now. You just killed a dude. You're not going to go through his pockets and take out the thirty five cents that was in there. You know, the scope yeah. of the game is completely different. So I mean that that's kind of subjective to the game you're playing. Uh when it's a when it's a loot kill sell buy loot kill sell buy repeating procedure, 
you know, you're probably going to shake down the, the dead kobold to see if he's got, you know, <laughs> five copper pieces in there. Right. If it, so it does depend on the type of campaign. Yeah, I, I I think it does. I think as long as you're distributing loot at the rate of plot, you're doing fine. If your players are uh, wanting to buy things multiple sessions in a row and they can't do it, then maybe you're being a little too tight-fisted. If they're if they're wanting for nothing, then you're definitely being too loose with it. If you uh, want to stick to the metrics. Keep doing the loot tables the way they tell you to do them. And the only extra stuff out. The only the only reason we ever used to look at the at the wealth per level is if you're starting at higher level and people have to do initial buys. Yeah, it's supposed to be reflective of a long history of yada yada yada. Exactly. That's how I always saw it. It's just yeah, it's a recommendation for starting, not for you. Don't have to keep pace with that. And and besides, you should be able to control the economy of your game. You sh- there shouldn't be a recommended level that's based on the idea that there's this much money in the world right. and this much um, this amount of work achieves it. You can have an impoverished world. You can have a super rich world or a super right. technological world. Like the, 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 it completely ignore those recommendations <laughs> is the short answer. I've seen a lot of different ways to go about loot. Um, you know, w- with items re- regarding money. I mean, I mean, get your players involved. Maybe. I mean, maybe get your players involved and see if they're they're down with that. If you want to do random loot generation, make them part of the process, perhaps. Maybe you do that before or after a session, you know, so on and so forth. I, I feel like Gameonomics could be an episode now. Because yeah. now I'm thinking about what are the characteristics of Rich World? What are the yeah. characteristics of Poor World? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, uh, Gameonomics! I mean, and the new the new book, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, like, money from Paizo now. Right. Because I'm, I'm plugging this thing so hard. Right. It's... It's like they re- they went in the future and heard this episode before they made this book and nice. like answered all their questions. It 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 changes the game. I mean, okay. Well, Mike goes on to uh, give us an entry to the game store weirdos. Oh, good. Um, I'm not going to read that now. We're going to save that for our game store weirdos episode. Uh, so we're just going to finish with his clothing closing. Best regards, Dan. Oops, I mean Mike Trev. Ha. <laughs> uh, Mike, thanks for writing in. I hope we were able to help you out. Um, if uh, if you come up with any other ideas, shoot us an email and let us know what you come up with. Official gamer nickname, not Dan. <laughs> That's correct. Let's go ahead and take a quick break, and we're going to come back for Brian's game. And we're back. Brian, what do you got here for us? Well, I have a warning first. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. There's a lot of obscenities in this. <laughs> Dane, you're going to have a... It's going to be a lot of Mario coins. It's going to be a lot, of, a lot of Mario coins. All right, all right. Warning. Adult content <laughs> and some suggested yes, material. Yes, because I had... Uh, uh, me and Dan kind of hashed out an idea of asking... We had this idea for the no- another guy that we used to work with, but he's gone now. But uh, I found an equally... As, as, as fun person. All Imagine right, someone who probably knows nothing about nerd culture or games whatsoever. And I asked him about 20 questions, very nerd specific, and I had him answer me. And the only clause was he couldn't answer, I don't know. So I'm going to introduce it. I'm going to ha- have me ask the question. And then I'm going to give you three options of what he could have said. And you guys have to guess which one he said. All right. Does everybody understand? 
Got it. Okay. Are we going to keep score here? Or? Uh, Dan, why don't you be the scorekeeper? I'll see what I can do. So you've got this on recording. I have it on recording. And we're going to be hearing his words live. Right. But you're gonna. I'm going to give you th- one of the three options I give you are just going to be his actual a- answer. Okay. Are we all ready? Uh, sure. Okay, Aubrey, I'm here asking you some questions. You can't, uh, here's the one rule. You can't say, I don't know. Okay? Just give me an answer. All right, pay attention. Get off your phone. All right, listen to me. Here you go. These are all geek-related, nerd-related. All right, who was the blue ninja from Mortal Kombat? Okay, that was the first question. All right, and what are our options? Your options are fucking scorpion, I guess. (laughs) Was it rain? Um, that's ice cube or whatever. I choose A. I say uh, B. I say C. All right. So we got Scorpion, Rain, and Ice Cube. Okay, so the answer <laughs> is... Was it Rain? That was purple. Ray- rain? I think that was purple. Wasn't he purple? The answer is Sub-Zero. Oh, f***! I don't know no more okay. combat cards. Okay. It doesn't matter. You're not going to know half of these. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, here comes the second question. Wait. So who got that right? Steve. Oh, Mac. No, Mac, Mac, Mac. Point for me. Point for Mac. Move All right, on. here's this next question. Who was... From Planet Namek. And the possible choices are? Possible choices are the fucking green guy, Piccolo. <laughs> what the fuck is a Namek? <laughs> I think it's Superman. Wow. I, I say B. I say C. I say A. All right. Good game. Uh, it's the fucking green guy. Uh. <laughs> Uh, what the fuck is his name? Piccolo. Yes. All right, that's A. Point right? for Dan. <laughs> this is so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I said when I heard about this game, this is just going to be Ebonics, the game. It's got that real... You can hear like cicadas and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is raw in the field. Yes, footage. absolutely. This, this, this is like out in the field. <laughs> <laughs> dude, you can't say that. Shit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Maybe it's not, not a what I meant. You don't know. Yeah. Uh, okay, we all ready for th- question three? I think so. All right, here we go. All right, who is Dick Grayson? All right. All right. And the a- options are Dick what? I don't know, Seabass. B, somebody from Leave It to Beaver? <laughs> or C, that's fucking Eddie's partner from fucking Tekken. I'm taking B. I'm taking A. I'll take A. Somebody from Leave It to Beaver? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, he, he's he's Robin. <laughs> okay. Okay. Point, Dan. Next question. <laughs> this is so out of context for like anybody that's gonna listen to this. Who was the Red Sonic? Shut up, but who are you telling to shut up there? Uh, Brosif. Right. The guy from Backwards Compatible. Reverend Brosifus of yeah. Backwards Compatible. Alright. Tails and Sonic. Tails was the red guy. We didn't have no Nintendo growing up. <laughs> or, C, what motherfucker? I was selling drugs when y'all was playing Sega. <laughs> 
<laughs> no way. I'm if taking you wrote B down again. C and attributed it, he's going to kill you. Like, what is the I'll end? take B. I'm taking B. Yeah. I'm taking C. Oh, f- what was his name? Oh, f- I know this one. Uh, f- he's on the tip of my tongue, man. I had that fucking game. Uh, f- what the f- was his name? Got an answer? Hold on, give me a second. It's gonna okay. come to me. I'm thinking about all the Sonic games, and I'm trying to. I know who you're talking about. I just can't remember his fucking name. What, motherfucker? I, I was selling drugs when y'all was playing Sega. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't got an answer for that. Okay, okay. His name was Nook. Man, right the. Okay. Dude. All right, hold on. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 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 that was that was for comedy purposes. That was not an admission of guilt. <laughs> you can hear people like throwing stuff in the garbage. Uh, 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 point Mac. Next question. Dude, I laughed wow. so hard when he said that. Oh. Okay. Next question. Were you interviewing oh, Samuel where? L. Jackson? <laughs> I guess. God. All right. Here's the next question. What house was Harry Potter from? So the options are A, a wizard house, B, the Griffin place, or C, he lived in that fucking garage. <laughs> I got to go with C. <laughs> with the answers we've been hearing so far, I'd have, have to go with C on this one. I think that's a safe bet. I'm going with A. What was B? B was the Griffin the place. The Griffin place? Yeah. I'm going with B. I'll take B. All I right. Think, I think C, but I'll, I'll take B. <laughs> Really? Yeah. You expect me to know that? Just answer. Just answer. Anything. In a wizard house? Okay. It's a wizard house. Okay. Is 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 uh Gryffindor? A wizard uh, house? I am not doing good at this game. <laughs> the, I thought you would do great at this the, game. The standings yeah. are Mac two, Dan three. All right. Steve, goose egg. Next yeah. question. Hey, what's the name of Jack Sparrow's ship? All right. The options are the Black Pearl, a pirate ship, the zombie ship. Ooh, I choose C. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with uh, C. Yeah, I'll take C. The Black Pearl. Yes. Oh. Yes. This is where you're all going to go wrong because he knows some of these answers. So nobody got that. Huh? All right. All right. No points scored. Who's Professor X's brother? Your options for that are A, Wolverine, B, I don't know, Captain Planet, or <laughs> C, Magneto. I take C. I'm going to take C as well. Yeah, I, I think he would say C. Uh, Magneto. Okay. Point for everyone. All right. All right. Steve, Steve on, on the, the board. board. There we go. Point for everyone is a point for no one. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Who wields the master sword? A. Fucking King Arthur. B. Zelda? Or C. Did the Green Ranger have a sword? (laughs) I choose B. I choose B as well. I'm going to say B too. From what game? Can't tell you that. Zelda? Yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> there you go. A point for everyone once again. Point for no one, point for everyone. Does Zelda ever herself have the Master Sword? No. That could have been a correct answer. I mean, he did close. It was, it was good. I gave yeah. him a point. All right. Here's the next question. Okay. Who is Yakko, Wacko, and Dodd? Your options are A, the Maniacs, B, um, they were Bugs Bunny's friends, or C, the Wackos, they was Wacko as f***. Um, I think he's gonna know this one. I'm gonna say A. I'll say C. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with A. Oh, the, those fucking crazy Looney Tune people. Oh, <laughs> the f*** was their name? Oh, oh, I forgot the name of that f***ing cartoon, man. Crazy. The Wackos, though. Oh, the Wackos? The, no, oh, it's, they got a real name. Oh. The Wackos? No, I'm not calling them the Wackos. I'm saying they was Wacko as f***. Oh, man, I forgot. Okay. Okay, so Steve gets a point. <laughs> yes. They, they, All right. They was wow. wacko as f***. <laughs> okay, here's the question. Who are laboratory mice whose genes have been spliced? A. These, these are questions very particular to your background. <laughs> I, I came up with them. A. Brain and Pinky. B, Pinky and the Brain, or C, fucking Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> a. A also. I'm going to choose B. Uh, Brain and Pinky. Yes. Ah, uh, <laughs> trick question there, mother. All right, here's the next one. Name one of the three starter original Pokemon. Your choices are Charizard. Pikachu or shit blue version? <laughs> I'm going with B. I'm going with B. Yeah, as well. I'll say B. Everybody also. knows Pikachu. Pikachu. Okay. Yeah. Pikachu. Okay. This one's a little weird because I asked him it weird, but whatever. What animal did they use to splice the holes of the DNA in Jurassic Park for the dinosaurs? Where the was his answer? A frogs, B lizards, C mosquitoes. I say A frogs, mosquitoes, C. I'm saying lizards, B. Oh, oh. Would you shut the hell up and let me answer these questions? Hold on, I remember in the movie, Dino DNA. Oh. <laughs> mosquitoes. Okay. What? Uh. <laughs> Steve gets a point. Uh, Steve's on the board. All right. Well, we're all tied up. It's six all, six all. across. No yeah. way, really. Six, mm-hmm. six across wow. the board. Wow. All right. Yep. It's a real game now. Okay. What movie featured a car with a license plate out of time? The fucking future movie, Knight Rider, or Transformers. I'm going A for sure. C. Which Knight Rider is uh is B. Is B. I'll go B. Uh, uh, was it that talking fucking car? Uh what the f- was his name? Knight Rider. Yeah. Okay. 
You, you're putting words in his mouth. <laughs> I know the answers to all these. Now it's just come, it's it's getting down to which ones do I think he would say? That's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's Correct. the name of the game. So we got that, Steve. Yeah, Steve, Steve pulls a hell. Steve takes the lead. All right. Whose real name is Cal L? A Superman. B is that Star Fox, or C that kid from Transformers Two? I'm going B. A. I'll go B also. Kyle Superman. Okay. There we go. You knew more than you thought. Okay, the final four. Who got that right? I did. Just you? Yep. Final four questions. Is there a way to break the tie through these four questions? Yeah, there's not exactly a flat tie right now. Oh, okay. If someone says you're a god, you say blank. I don't know. That's not even a fucking question. Or yes, I am. That's not even a fucking question. He said B. I'm saying B as well. I'll say C. Yes, I am. <laughs> oh, ooh. Steve pulling through. Yeah. You know what? He didn't know that reference. He just went with... <laughs> yeah, 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 just, yeah. Yes, I am, as a matter of fact. Yes, I am. You say yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this one... Is a doozy. Who says? Who said the emperor is not as forgiving as I am? Is that Queen Sindel who said that shit? Fucking Darth Vader, or is that the emperor from Emperor's New Groove? B. I'm going B. B. Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. Is that Queen Sindel said that? Shit? Queen Sindel. Okay. Uh. <laughs> Who says jinkies? Your options are Velma, Scooby Doo, or Elvira. I'm gonna say A. Scooby Doo. I say B. Yeah. Jinkies. Is that fucking little girl from that cartoon? Yeah, what's her name? I forgot her fucking name, man. Oh, she was the one like, I'm just gonna hold him and squeeze him and love him. <laughs> Elvira? Uh, yeah, Elvira. Okay, okay. Oh. Wow. <laughs> from Tiny Toons. Elmira from Tiny Toons. She'd like grab. Elvira is not the same person. <laughs> That's, that was the name that came to my head. And he just went with it, so that was the answer. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is a broken question, like. <laughs> Well, no points were scored, so it doesn't matter. All right, yep. <laughs> all right, two questions left. All right, here comes the second to last. Hey, who pilots the Megazord? Was it the Red Ranger? I don't know, Batman? Or was that the Ninja Turtles who had that car? I'm going C. Can, can I hear A again? The Red Ranger. I'll go B. I'll go B. Would you, would you I don't know, it? Batman. I'm C. going with uh, the Turtles. I'll go with A, Red Ranger. I mean, they had a van, so, you know. <laughs> but I'll go Fla- B anyway. Flawless logic. Oh, yeah. um, the Red Ranger. Okay. Oh. Ooh, wow. Mac with a point. It's now a tie game between Steve and Mac again, with me uh, trailing by two. Oh, Mac, Steve, final, final question. And last question. Who is Mario's nemesis? Was it Koopa? Bowser or Luigi? 
<laughs> if it's C, it's fucking hard. I'm saying oh, C. Oh no! Secret ballot, secret ballot. Tell Dan what you answer. I don't want us to influence each other. Uh, In order to preserve the tie, I will answer whatever he answers. Okay, got it. Okay. Oh, uh, cool boy. Okay. Steve said A. Yeah. Oh, Steve is the winner after having no points at <laughs> all for like the first six rounds. Steve is the first winner. Dan, what did you pick on that one? I chose B. Yeah. yeah. What'd you choose? I chose B, Bowser. It was the logical choice. <laughs> no, no, no. I chose I chose C. That's what it was. I, I chose C because I thought he was going to be like, oh, Luigi. I think there's, a, not knowing what Nemesis means, I think there's a story to be told that Luigi God. is is Mario's nemesis. That's hilarious. Not like because he's been like actively working against him, but just the mere existence of Luigi brings Mario down. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me down, bro. Hey, man. Are you always like, are my whole, There are whole games that would be Mario games if Luigi did not exist. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> what? God. I wish mom would have swallowed you. Whoa. Oh, Whoa. 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 Dan. Jesus, Sorry about that. Dan. Trying to play a nice game here. Yeah. A wholesome game for the and family. Sorry about just that. Good. My, that, my favorite answer was. Just kind of escaped. Out of all that, my favorite answer was. Was that fucking Queen Sendo who said that shit? <laughs> that was hilarious. All right. Uh, hopefully, that was uh, as funny for everyone else who doesn't know Aubrey as we do. I think that's the charm of it, not knowing <laughs> this person at all. Not knowing what this is. We should ask these same 20 questions of other random people. Maybe we like, should yeah. play this game again. Yeah. Let's go Maybe to, we'll like, give it a shot. <laughs> let's go to like the gas station or something and just my, see who we can grab find. A, my, original, grab a hobo. my original idea for the game was to ask the Trash Can Brothers. Oh, <laughs> oh God. No, we, we need to save them for our... Yeah. Yeah. Weirdo All right. Well, Brian, thanks for that. Yeah, that was, no uh, problem. That was fun. Great. Thank With you. With that, we're going to go ahead and uh, call it. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Carpe GM Gamecast. I'm Dan. I'm Steve. I'm Koopa. And I'm Mac. And remember, support the hobby. Support the industry. Support your local game store. And support the Carpe GM Digital Network. Woo! Woo! Awesome, dude, that went perfect. That was perfect. The Carpe GM Gamecast is presented under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License Version 3.0. For further discussion on this topic or just about anything else, join our forum at carpegm.net slash forum. To contact us with questions, comments, and other feedback, please send your emails to dan at carpegm.net. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook slash carpegm.net or follow us on Twitter at C-A-R-P-E underscore GM. Thanks for listening. The interstitial music for this episode is Sinfully Yours by As Angels Bleed. Find more info in the notes.
These words.